Hello and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Raven, and I'm very glad that you're joining us again today. Sounds like Mozart is joining us again as well. How do we do this? Aha! One of these days I will have this mastered, and you will all be impressed. Mozart begins, and Mozart completes here on A Better World. Anyway, I'm very glad that you're joining us again today. This is Mitchell J. Raven for A Better World here on Blog Talk Radio. I like to remind my listeners that every week on Monday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylights or Standard Time, as the case may be, depending on the season, which will be in some respects the subject of today's show as it relates to the body politic and uh, the whole idea of a new wave of ethically-based, socially-conscious-based business on Progressive Radio Network, A Better World with Mitchell J. Raven, every Monday at 6 p.m., and I just invite you to join us, where on that occasion I've got a full nearly hour to develop the ideas of my guests and me, and we go into great depth about different subjects regarding the development of a more humane, ethical, sustainable society. That's really where we're going. That's really what the game is about. While we're here on Earth, why not do good? Why not? And since I believe that we have an evolutionary thrust and impulse toward service and toward contribution and participation, we ought to activate that as best we can. I often quote Warner Earhart, who is very well known, internationally known, <coughs> excuse me, for his work in uh, the development of EST training and later the Forum, which is now known as the Landmark Foundation, where he said, health is a function of participation. As I cough, yes, health is a function of participation. So while it is, of course, important what we put into our bodies and what we drink and how we sleep and what we do for exercise and how we think and the way we manage stress and all of the above obvious contributors to our overall cellular and mental health and well-being, on the level of all of them, what we do to help make the world a better place, our participation in life itself, is at the core. And on this show, as well as what we do at our website, www.abetterworld.tv, we emphasize the ideas that are outside the box, outside the norm, because what has become normal in my worldview is profoundly abnormal when it comes to true, deep human living and our potential as humans to live a life that is caring, compassionate, full of fun, not self-interested, yet, if we're going to have self-interest, let's call it enlightened self-interest. And it's with that idea and that thrust that I really like to present our shows 
both on radio and TV every week. It's the essence of our website and all the work that we do here in our organization called A Better World. So today we are going to be exploring the ideas of a third party of independent parties in an otherwise duopolistic system known as the Republican-Democrat duality and leaving room for no other Democratic input. Woe to us. And we'll be exploring this with a particular colleague of mine and friend who also helped, it happens, to develop a Better World website. He has been a longtime friend of a Better World and the founder and inventor of a brilliant system based on understanding cycles, David Katzmeier. David was uh, perhaps the first or one of the first guests on our blog talk radio show, and he's been on a Better World radio on Progressive Radio Network several times, as well as Better World TV. So he is uh, a true loyal fan, as well as a major participant on our alternative media, because what he has to say, I feel, really contributes in our overall sense of values to creating a better world and helps us understand natural rhythms and cycles to which we can all accord, and when we do, we get better quality results. So uh, let me bring Dave Katzmeier on right away if I can figure out the method. And Dave, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Yes, you are. I hear you there, but do I hear you there? Here we go. Dave, are you there? Yes, hello, Mitchell. Excellent, excellent. Good to have you on today, Dave Katzmeier. Thanks. Absolutely. So listen, uh, you heard my introduction, and you heard the points that I was making regarding the role of a third party in an otherwise duopolistic system, meaning two monopolies joined together at the hip that are espousing similar ideas. I mean, it was just yesterday that Romney said that he agreed with um, a number of the points that Obama was recently making, having to do with um, the student loan issue and student interest payment. Did you hear that? Yes, I heard the report on that. Yes. So what we see is sort of you could say different colors of the same of the same type of suit, if you will. And uh I think that an increasing number of people I know numbering truly in the millions are looking for an alternative to business as usual, to essentially those parties that have allowed for a corporate state. And it's an often used phrase, Dave, that we have a bought and paid for Congress. So the question then becomes, where are we? Oh, yeah, we, the people. Where are we? And you know that I have been favoring the candidacy of the Justice Party candidate, Rocky Anderson. My audience know that. I've also interviewed Jill Stein of the Green Party, a very special, lovely woman. And Rocky is one who is just taking the lead in all third parties. 
from the point of view of cycle in this country, what is the possibility uh, for a third party candidate? The cycles, in many ways, favor uh, a third party alternative right now because there are different phases that a cycle go through, like the seasons of a year. And one of the quarters of a cycle is a time of variation. And a quarter of a cycle lasts many years. There are reasons I could go into with descriptions and mathematics uh, to describe it, but in short, we're in a period of variation right now. And when you are looking for variation, it's you're putting new branches on the tree. You might see that there's been an expansion in government and government departments since the turn of the century. There's been expansion in spending. There's been expansion in variations of all kinds. You can see it on products in your supermarket shelves. It's just variation in general. A lot of people in this uh, coming election have been talking about and asking about um, other party candidates. For that reason, people are looking for other from an analytical standpoint. And uh, you brought up a lot of things. Uh, Will Rogers said that we have the best Congress money can buy. And uh, In other words, it's an old idea. It's an old idea, but, um, you know, what's old is new again because of cycles. So we get a little bit of dissatisfaction amongst the voter public, either that, well, they'll say that the both parties are the same. What's the difference? Or we're hearing that both parties are diametrically opposed on an issue, and it's a gridlock. So if it's either what's the difference or, you know, gridlock, gridlock what's the alternative? And that's what people are asking. Exactly. And what's the benefit to the people? Yeah. You know, uh, when people start feeling like pawns uh, because, you know, the powers are split between the favorites, they're going to go for the long shot. Interesting. So in your worldview then, having developed colorism over the course of decades at this point, what cycles do you see prominent now that are, in other words, educate us a little bit about the nature of cycles and their emotional, intellectual, physical, and spiritual uh, breakdowns, parameters? In a nutshell, you can say that the movement of a nation, any nation, has parallels to what you can find in the life of a person. There's philosophers that have made analogies. It's a fractal relationship. It's a fractal relationship, like Giovanni Bautista and Oswald Spengler and so forth, and there's others, who say that you can find that there are characteristics in the body of a people, in a nation, that the nation itself can be viewed as if it were a person. And as a person, a nation has a mind, a heart, and a body. And as such, you have rhythms in each one of these things. An amazing thing, somewhat uh, recently that came into popularity in the 1970s was the study of biorhythms, which was based on research that goes all the way back to the 19th century to show that our bodies go through highs and lows, our emotions go through highs and lows, and our mental activity goes through highs and lows. They all last so many weeks each to go through that. Look at a menstrual cycle of a woman. Menstrual cycle of a woman correlates with the... Just bringing it down to a very micro level where we experience the ebb and flow of a cycle in a given month moon period. 
Yes, and that's absolutely true. And the moon period of 28 days is also the exact number of days of the emotional biorhythm. Physical biorhythm is 23 days. The intellectual cycle is 33 days in biorhythms. So you have these highs and lows. Sometimes you can run a little faster, jump a little higher. Other times you want to maintain status quo, don't push for new ground. Emotionally, sometimes you can be very effervescent and want to go out and socialize, and other times you want to sit by the fireplace and read a book because you're going inward, up and down. Intellectually, there are accounts of college professors who have found that their students would test better at some times than at others. Same student. And as a result, when all of these studies were put together, we found that there are rhythms in the mind, the heart, and the body of a person. We go through rhythms, and each one of these cycles is a different duration. So on any given day, the cycle of your body, the cycle of your heart, and the cycle of your mind, they can be in different positions, and they keep moving. But at other times, they're synchronized. There are times that the mathematics will rule that many of them are high. You can have all three of them high at the same time. What does that look like? Well... In a person, and what does it look like in a nation? Well, it was very interesting. When you get into the fractal relationship of how these things can synchronize between a person and what happens in a nation, I want to give you a couple of classic examples in our own United States. If you consider a nation as having a mind, a heart, and a body that goes through rhythms that last so many years for the physical, so many years for the emotional, and so many years for the intellectual, you can find that there's a 28-year physical cycle in the body of the United States. The body of the United States, an industrial nation, is the durability of its goods, the strength and readiness of its armed forces, or whether we're disco dancing or going Generation X. That's the body of the nation. There is a 36-year cycle in the heart of the nation, when it rises in the late 19th century, we have the gay 90s and turns down low after the turn of the century, but then goes back up in the roaring 20s, goes down low in the Great Depression, comes back up, and we have the 50s and the 60s, goes down low in the 80s and 90s, comes up, and we have the spiritual movement of the 90s and the turn of the century. It crossed down uh, in the 70s, and uh, it was low until 1991, and it crossed up, and that gave us the New Age movement and the spiritualism that lasted until 2009. And intellectually, you go high. and It did cross down in 2009. Uh, so we've just entered an intellectual low. But, and intellectually, we go through highs and lows. It peaked in the 1960s, by the way, uh, when we in- elected an intellectual from Massachusetts for president, John F. Kennedy. The emotional cycle was also high, so we had an idealistic intellectual in John F. Kennedy. But to answer your question, now that we've said that a country moves in rhythms Physically, it moves in rhythms emotionally, and it moves in rhythms intellectually. Once you understand those three elements are in motion, what happens when they're all high? And what happens when they're all low? And some places between. When you understand that, you can understand how they play together and look at today. There is one time in American history in which all three cycles of the United States peaked within a 10-year period, and that was in the 1920s. 
Then there is one decade in the United States during which all three cycles hit the bottom within a 10-year period. That is during the Great Depression. So all cycles high or all cycles low is a very powerful thing in the overall well-being of a nation. But even having the majority high in the 1960s, both the intellectual cycle and the emotional cycle peaked, and we had a very burgeoning, emotional, expressive heyday of intellectualism going on in the 1960s. But they can be in conflict, too, because the physical cycle in the 1960s hit the bottom, and we got our tails whipped in Vietnam. Never lost the battle, but we lost the war. And the sentiment was against fighting. People were demonstrating, saying, no, we don't want to go fight. It was a physical low. It wasn't the time to go out and fight as far as the state and timing of the general populace were concerned. Um, so, but in the 1980s, that reversed. Very interesting to look that both the emotional and intellectual cycles in the 1980s hit the bottom, while the physical cycle was high. It peaked in 70. And that expressed itself. What happened then is you had just the opposite. Everything went from feminine energy to masculine energy because physical is masculine, emotional is feminine. And so you had disco dancing, but the music was a great thump, 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 and it really is wonderful to move your feet to, but it was lost its intricacies, it lost its romanticism, the lyrics were very simplified, and everything like that. But from the point of view of militarism, Oh, well, then that's when we started building up again with the Star Wars defense system under the Reagan administration. Uh, And then we shifted, you know, and there was more support for military buildup during the 1980s than there was in the 1960s. You look at it comparatively, and uh, this is why, because people are more physical, and they can be more or less emotional, more or less intellectual. In other words, Dave, what we see through colorism in this study of cycles is what you could say is tendencies and probabilities. Correct. And within any cycle, medium, high, or low, we will see contra- contradictions to them, just as we would see in an astrological cycle or chart, yes. where we see tendencies, but right. we also see contraindications, if you will. Yes, uh, history repeats itself. It doesn't duplicate itself. And this is no crystal ball, and there are aberrations that can and will happen. But even when there's an aberration, you'll find that if you're knocked off the course of your tendencies, after the interruption has played out, you'll return right back to where the course would have you be. So it's sort of like a river that has tributary, which based on the actual momentum and wind and uh, porousness of soil may create tributaries that are greater or lesser uh, to the side of the river, but eventually it will all return to the overall flow of the river. Absolutely. And a tree may fall into the river and create quite a splash, but the river will continue That's just the same. So from this point of view of what you see now, you opened up by saying that this time was actually rather fertile for a third introduction of third-party consciousness, if you will, to start with, and reality taking root in today's body, politics. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? And then I'd like you to turn 
uh, your attention in the last several minutes to the upsurge of interest in socially responsible business, socially conscious investing, a different multiple bottom line, not just about money, inclusive, inclusive of money, but not only about money, factoring in our environment, factoring in the well-being of workers and the like. Okay? Yes. We talked about what happens when all the cycles are high, all the cycles are low. What happens if the majority are high, like the 1960s, for instance, intellectual and emotional time, because they were high. Well, right now, we have a majority of cycles high. Even though the emotional cycle crossed low, the physical cycle is still high, as we're still involved with the longest war that we've ever been in, and a lot of military expansion, and even gone into other countries at the same time. This is all happening during a physical high, consistent with our history. Uh, and the intellectual cycle is high. And there's been plans for the Mars missions coming up. Uh, there is more funding for education. Uh, and you'll find historically that interest in funding for education rises and falls with the intellectual cycle because education is intellectual. So with that, uh, there is also another aspect that in different phases of any cycle, whether it is the physical cycle, the emotional cycle, or the intellectual cycle, you're going to go through periods of development, of setting precedents and laying foundations, to variations of that, to going low and reviewing what you've done, looking back into the past, and then bottoming out and looking forward and abandoning everything that you've done. Well, where are we right now? In foundation, variation, review, and, and alternatives, we are in variation on two of the cycles, which means that people want to see different branches coming off of the trunk. And with that being the case, this is we see this in many things. And in politics, I believe that part of the reason, it's not just a sequence of causality of events alone, although that's very much uh, at play. It's also because of the timing of where we are as a nation, people are looking for more and different. This is why Obama's message of change in itself became a one-word powerful message, change. That is a message of variation in the cycles, a classic example. So please continue. I'm asking you specifically about how that uh, expresses itself with the presence of the increased presence of third party. I understand you've laid the groundwork for it. The, the ground is more fertile. I mean, you have classic examples of third parties. You had the Bull Moose Party with Teddy Roosevelt that he started in 1912. And then you had John B. Anderson, who started to make a little bit of a wave in 1980. Uh, and then you had Ross Perot in 1992 and Jesse Ventura in the year 2000 and so forth. And when you look at how successful or potentially uh, viable. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, there you go. And uh, how much momentum they get is also consistent with where we were in the cycles. Right now, actually, the cycles tell me people are hungry for variation, and the ground is fertile for it. It's interesting because uh, what using just one intuition and power of observation would see is that there is a true turn away 
from business as usual because people have felt so betrayed by the two-party system because they see that there's either a lot of good rhetoric but no action. We see that there's the Department of Justice that is interested in prosecuting the small man but not the wealthy, and uh, that there isn't a government really for the people anymore. Uh, there's been an increase in the presence of what we call the surveillance state. Uh, it, we've never seen anything quite like this before in U.S. history. In world history, yes. As a result, we also, so we see a defection, and we see an increase, an upsurge, if you will. And it's interesting that it follows the pattern that you've outlined the calorism of uh, variation. How does that apply now to uh, the body of the economy, meaning business as usual in the economy is how do we increase the bottom line of the shareholders by increasing uh, price per share or dividend payments per quarter at any expense, at the expense of the environment, at the expense of any resources, human or natural otherwise. And there has been a huge upsurge in interest in what is called compassionate capitalism or conscious capitalism or social enterprises, uh, uh, socially conscious investing, and socially responsible businesses, which change the game and blow the whistle on business as usual. How does that accord with, with uh, the cycles as you see them? Those who are seeking power may underestimate the intelligence of the average person right now. And, you know, you can fool all the people some of the time. You can't fool all, you know, some of the people all the time, et cetera, et cetera. Or all the people all of the time. You can't fool all the people all the time. And uh, a lot of that has to do with right now the intellectual cycle is still high, the emotional is low, and people who think that they can still woo people over with emotional appeal not going to happen because people are asking questions. In terms of seeking greener alternatives and not empowering those who are more interested in the bottom line than what's happening for the planet that sustains us, one message should be gotten out there. We as a consumer are still empowered. Buy accordingly. Buy accordingly and it will change. Because people complain about the oil companies seeking profits and everything like that, but everybody wants gasoline at lower prices. What if you drove a car that didn't have gasoline? You know, it's better. We're complaining about the very institutions that we support. The physical cycle is high, and the intellectual cycle is high. That means that with physical cycle being high, people are in action, and the intellectual cycle means people are making intelligent choices. The message is you are empowered. You have more power than you know. If you realize that, you can become the change you want to see in the world simply by setting an example. Don't change the world. Change yourself. If you don't like what this company is doing, don't buy the product. If you like what somebody else is doing instead, seek that alternative. That's where we are right now. Use it. Excellent. That's beautiful, David Katzmeyer. Thank you so much. What is your website for everybody? It is collarrhythms.com. That's K-A-L-A rhythms.org. Excuse me. They both work. Collarrhythms.org. Wonderful. 
TV. You've been a great friend and a wonderful, loyal uh, participant in a better world for many years, and I want to thank you. Thank you, Mitchell. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And uh, this is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Please join us on our other shows as well. Uh, That's Monday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Daylight Time. time. And that's at www.abetterworld.tv where we also have a newsletter that goes out far and wide across the planet which announces the shows of the week with a blog talking about the news of the day, both a local view and a universal. Thanks again for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.